0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Undisputed Future Podcast. This is episode 52, unbelievable six-man tag team action, highlighted in this one. And sadly, it's a gloomy and dreary day here in Staten Island, New York. And the hits just keep on coming, because just when you think this episode's going to start off the right way, just when you think there's a little bit of hope in the May 16th edition of WWE NXT Television. Johnny Gargano's music hits, and that damn Tommaso Ciampa ends up walking out. Tommaso Ciampa obviously making a psychological statement to the audience that has greeted him with disdain as his own entrance music as of late. You suck, Chance, and uh, things of the bit more vulgar. Actions that uh, I'm not going to go into right now on the air. So anyway, Tommaso Ciampa making his way to the ring saying that Johnny Gargano may have won a simple battle in this complicated war at TakeOver. But who knows where the next steps are going to be, especially considering Johnny Gargano's condition right now. Tommaso Ciampa going on and on and on about that vicious stretcher attack and he broke him mind, spirit and body and this And that, and Tommaso Ciampa just spewing on about his evil actions until the wife of Johnny Gargano, Candice LeRae, Candice Wrestling, questioning Tommaso Ciampa in the most summarizable way that I'm sure anybody who is a fan of the DIY tag team can tell you. Who are you? Who are you, Tommaso Ciampa? We are done with this attitude, we are done shedding tears for you. Candice LeRae is completely over Tommaso Champa's actions, really coming out here with a fire in her speech and obviously in her eyes tonight as well because those tears are being replaced with violent actions here. She would not take Tommaso's words lying down. After just a bit more jabba by the Sicilian psychopath, he would be met with a vicious right hands that would pretty much slap the gray out of his beard. What a vicious slap by Candice LeRae, definitely putting an exclamation point on her statements, but Tommaso Ciampa just seems unfazed, even though it was a slap heard around the NXT universe. So where does this all lead? Tommaso Ciampa obviously agitating Candice LeRae enough to the point of physical violence. Number one, it's nice to see a female talent that isn't Stephanie McMahon slap a male talent, especially when it fuels a storyline that has been driven so well, such as this one. Number two, will it lead to an intergender match? And this is a hot topic on Twitter this week. I'm putting this episode a little bit out late, so I've had a couple days to think about it. I absolutely think it should, and with Candice LeRae's ability and Tommaso Ciampa's ability, it could, but I'm not sure under WWE whether it will, and that's the big question mark here, will Triple H's run brand get a little bit more extension into an intergender realm? I'm certainly hoping so, because it will just keep adding flavors of NXT that are just so different from the Raw and SmackDown programming, so you always have something different to anticipate. The last thing we saw completely out of left field, I'd say, was the return of a War Games match. Never mind a intergender match in 2017 that would fuel one of the most bad blood rivalries in all of professional wrestling. So again, I am all for it. It's just a matter of whether it will get the chance to take shape. I certainly hope so. Team NXT, give me your thoughts. Tommaso Ciampa versus Candice LeRae. Will that play a point in this rivalry? Do we have to wait all the way till TakeOver Chicago 2, where it's very hopeful that Johnny Gargano will get his retribution? Definitely give me your thoughts on this opening segment to NXT. But let's talk about more female talents outside of Candice wrestling. Let's talk about the lady of NXT, Lacey Evans taking on Brandy Lauren Brandy Lauren, a Buffalo, New York talent, I believe was announced, so she's a fairly in-state girl, even though she's almost in Canada, as far as her area of residence is concerned, did not get a chance to know much about her, not sure if she has an independent name, I'm gonna be fully no wool over your eyes with this one, NXT, I am focusing on this. I'm focusing the discussion on Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans coming out with a new theme and absolute dominance here. Being able to display some of her newly equipped talents and a lady of this size with this much athleticism. A marine moonsault from the second rope as you haven't heard by now. Lacey Evans is a strong U.S. marine member, former member, she has the service under her belt, so her combat ability is completely vilified. As well as that moonsault, I definitely think it adds to her repertoire. If this woman's right hand doesn't end up being a full-on striking finisher, I could definitely see Lacey Evans ending matches with a moonsault as well. So an absolute dominant victory over Brandy Lauren, a bit of redemption by Kyrie Sane would follow the end of this match. As we last saw, Kyrie Sane was able to get a win over Lacey Evans, but Lacey Evans would later have a false apology as well as another cheap shot right hand, and Lacey Evans' right hand is the KO strike of the NXT women's division right now. It's that right hand. It could be the feet from Dakota Kai. It could be the submissions from Shayna Baszler. Every way you look, the high flying ability of the just mentioned Kyrie Saint. Every way you look, each woman is bringing a different talent and different sort of moveset to the field. So while this division is in a rebuilding period, everybody's strong points are definitely starting to shine. And it comes with a big punch, Kyrie Sane not jumping straight to the May Young Classic Finals rematch. Having a little bit of a rivalry with Lacey Evans does great because it shows the kind of faith that WWE brass might have with Lacey Evans, a, a practical talent. Let's... Let's be real, putting on some impressive work over the past number of weeks, getting some of those takeover pre-show, post-show matches like the one I just mentioned with Kairi Sane. So Kairi Sane, the Mae Young Classic finalist, giving Lacey Evans the quote-unquote rub with this rivalry instead of jumping straight into a title picture, I think is good. Will Dakota Kai get her redemption as far as the title picture goes? Will it be full on for a title match? I'll get to Dakota Kai and her strange visitor at the interview panel in just a matter of minutes. A simple victory for Lacey Evans and a little bit of redemption for Kairi Sane is opening a very interesting chapter outside of the Women's Championship division in NXT. I'll get back to women's action in just a matter of seconds, but I want to shift away towards our NXT champion, Aleister Black, who we haven't seen as of late, and uh, I don't know if it was because of tour scheduling or what have you, but it does feel like Aleister Black has been missing from NXT television, but he made his first speech as champion regarding his first two official challengers being Velveteen Dream and Ricochet, who would also lock up later in this episode. He, of course, mentioned his history with Velveteen Dream, which would end up being history-making for Velveteen Dream's career in NXT, the rivalry of 2017. But he also mentioned Ricochet, how Ricochet wants to be the one and only. Well, right now, Alistair Black is the one and only NXT champion. So now, champion says to prove it. The target is on Alistair Black. Alistair Black went from being the hunter to having the target on himself, becoming a target with a big, shiny gold. Target around his waist, there's really no other way to say it, Aleister Black knows the territory that comes with being an NXT champion, he's wary, but he's crafty and he's calm, cool, and collected, it's what brought has brought him success as a competitor so far, it's why he's undefeated in singles action, it's really all a matter of who steps up to the plate. Will it be a new challenger in Ricochet, or will it be another history-making match with Velveteen Dream? Who do you guys want to see as your NXT champion's next competitor? Of course, feel free to give me those thoughts. But a good a good interview by Aleister Black. It's always nice to see a champion all uh, all dapper up in a suit, and quite frankly, the tattoos in a suit. Corey Graves rocks it. Aleister Black rocks it as well. Well, but let's shift away from fashion and back to NXT women's action. I did mention Dakota Kai a little bit earlier. Getting a interview panel with whoever has, I don't know what sort of media way it is. It's a very unconventional way. It goes by phones with seldom microphones scattered throughout the crowd. But let's go to the content of the message Alistair Black. Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai has no idea why Nikki Cross was overseeing her interview last week. The fear in Dakota Kai's eyes is always clear. Dakota Kai's eyes. Dakota Kai's eyes. Dakota Kai's eyes. Try saying that one five times fast, Team NXT. But Dakota Kai's eyes still spell fear when she's going face to face with Shayna Baszler. And it's, it's really that underdog telling, I mention it all the time, how much of a anti-bullying advocate I am, and nobody wants to see the captain of Team Kick kick Shayna Baszler in the head as much as I do. But apparently Nikki Cross wants to see it as well. Nikki Cross getting the chance to storm the media area with her own phone as, well, I don't know... I- I guess Nikki Cross might have a phone to stay in contact with her sanity brethren hitting the road on Smackdown Live. I don't know what Nikki Cross would possibly need with an iPhone, but nevertheless, she had one questioning Dakota Kai, when are you going to fight Shayna Basigar? What's the matter with Shayna Basigar? Why are you going to fight Shayna Basigar? Let's fight Shayna Basigar in that creepy Scottish brogue that always comes with Nikki Cross's cryptic messages. Face your fear and fight. This is Nikki Cross hyping up Dakota Kai. This is that side of crazy Dakota Kai needs in her psyche to push her over the edge and stand up to this bully. I could see Nikki Cross being a very beneficial factor for Dakota Kai's attitude. I don't know if it might get her in trouble though. It's really, it could take any sort of windy turn You know when you're dealing with Nikki Cross. Anything is possible. But I really think... I'm going to make a Karate Kid comparison here for a second. Nikki Cross is that Cobra Kai-sensei telling Dakota Kai to sweep the leg, and put her in a body bag, that's the message I'm getting from this, that's the side of Dakota Kai we need to see, we need to see a competitor with Edge, we need to see somebody kick the bully of NXT's women's division right in the head, will it be Nikki Cross herself, will it be through Dakota Kai's motivational efforts, I'm really hoping Nikki Cross steps up and gets a proper NXT send off or a NXT Women's Championship Run. I would be happy with either. Sanity got to interact with the champion for their last interaction on NXT television. I really can't see Nikki Cross getting anything less. So Nikki Cross gives Dakota Kai a bit of a taste of crazy, a really, really thought-provoking segment for Dakota Kai. But let's shift away from that. Let's go to the match I was just discussing. Velveteen Dream takes on the one and only Ricochet for a chance at NXT Championship Contender Spotlight. And before I get into the content of the match, I just want to pay compliments to the Velveteen Dream's new nickname deemed by commentary, the Sartorial superstar for those of you unfamiliar with the word sartorial means along the lines of tailoring having to do with clothing the finest of suits i first learned it from barney stinson on how i met your mother i don't know if anybody else wants to drive in and figure out what episode that was for anybody but i just figured i'd uh i'd explain that nickname for you guys but let's jump into the match shall we what started off as a takeover worthy match between two of the finest young talents on the NXT brand. It was great. It's just one of those matches... I mean, I judge by how good a match is based on how many notes I have for it when I'm putting together the show, and if I could only blink my eyes for a couple seconds to jot down a couple of words... That give me enough to deliver a segment for you guys. I know it was that good of in-ring action. Both of these guys know how young they are. They know how talented they are. They know the kind of emotional connection they are already getting with the audience. Both of their careers can only go up from here. You can really tell that they saw the fire and desire in each other's eyes for that NXT championship in this match. I'll repeat it again a takeover worthy match on NXT television, before it was sadly cut short by the mountain of a man from the Rocky Mountains, I'm talking about Lars Sullivan. Lars Sullivan, the Leviathan, laying wreckage to Velveteen Dream and Ricochet, each respectively with a vicious freak accident for each of their troubles. Now, Lars breaking through the NXT championship picture himself through two of these young talents. My friend Nick over at Who Got Next predicted Lars Sullivan versus Aleister Black for the championship. It's starting to take folds that it might go down. That way, especially considering the later on segment with Kathy Kelly getting a brief word out of Ricochet and Velveteen Dream in front of William Regal's office, we would later learn that a handicap match for next week is official. Velveteen Dream and Ricochet will be teaming together against Lars Sullivan. Can these two young hot shots coexist enough to take down a man of Lars's size? Can they set their ego aside, realize they have the same goal, take out the monstrous roadblock between them and that championship gold goal? Again, try saying that five times fast. I'm coming up with a bunch of good ones here today. But what happens with Lars? Can Lars break through two young talents in a handicap match and solidify a NXT championship match? I really don't think that would look good for Velveteen Dream or Ricochet. I really don't think Lars plowing through both of these unbelievable talents gives them the credibility. I really, I don't know, I see bad things happening for somebody, something just tells me in the pit of my stomach, Velveteen Dream is not one to play nice with others. The Velveteen Dream experience is a one-man show. The spotlight shines exclusively on the Sartorial Superstar. So give me your thoughts on this handicap match as well. I see big things literally happening for Lars Sullivan. Is it NXT championship match worthy? I think it's possible. I definitely want to see Aleister Black reign through Chicago. I don't see Lars Sullivan as a ready champion yet. But I do see him as a credible contender. He's a man who can get in a lot of offense on Alistair Black. He's a man who can make the build believable for the next couple of weeks or so, should he be given this opportunity. There's a lot of commentary tables that have been shattered on NXT television for the sake of building championship rivalries, both in the women's and the men's and the tag team division, so anything is certainly possible. What happens when Ricochet teams with Velveteen Dream to take on the mountain of a man, Lars Sullivan, next week? From takeover-worthy singles action, we get... Singles action, that was... it was fine. Of course, I'm talking about the finest, Kona Reeves. What I thought was just a rough start for Kona Reeves seems to be repeating itself two weeks in a row Kona Reeves' week-to-week differences, I mean, different coat, different K around his neck, and new music. Still not exactly my cup of tea, but I thought it was at least the slightest bit of an upgrade from last week's. But you can't have the same... These gimmicks are practically mirroring each other. You got the Velveteen Dream with the spotlight, eccentric, what he wears really speaks volumes about him era. You got... EC3 throwing the top 1% on the richest guy since Bobby Roode to step into the NXT brand. I deserve all of the finest things. I'm in the top 1%, not just of professional wrestling, but of this whole freaking US economy. So we already have two guys who demand spotlight and have a bunch of money. I don't know what the Kona Reeves character is doing on NXT television. The guy was doing just fine as a weird tribal... Hawaiian, you could have thrown him together with the the Genesis bros, the Ely brothers, I don't know what they're doing, and form some sort of odd faction with those dudes. I just don't see the finest working right now. I really think the landscape of NXT is all wrong for this gimmick, you have so many similarities, we just got done, it feels like, with the era of Bobby Roode, nobody's gonna outplay the rich smugness like the glorious heel Bobby Roode as NXT champion, Kona Reeves is forgettable next to things like that, he's forgettable right now next to EC3 and Velveteen Dream's gimmicks, and I would be speaking differently if in the ring it was more than just fine, It wasn't the finest work I've seen all evening. I just got done talking about Ricochet and Velveteen Dream. The Kona sucks chants are starting in Full Sail University, and they're not going to stop anytime soon. I don't know what kind of heat it is. I don't know if it's Tino Sabatelli beginning heat, where we just don't want... We, of course, meaning NXT community, and very vocally, Full Sail University. I don't know if it's just get-off-my-television, get-out-of-this-ring sort of booing and heat. I think of Eva Marie. I think of a really, really rusty Tino Sabatelli when I think of these sort of chants, and I reference them. But Raul Mendoza was doing all he can. I don't... it's just... awkward? I guess awkward is is the way to describe it. It was a rough ending to the match as well. Awkward definitely personifies that big boot that ended... That match, uh, Kona Reeves taking a bit of a stumble there at the ends, and you gotta plant your feet when you're as big and believable as a guy of Kona Reeves' stature throwing a big boot. The guy's gotta throw his offense with conviction. I know. Listen, it's it's really hard to forget WWE NXT is developmental territory with the caliber of matches we get, especially on Takeover events with the way that the storytelling just outweighs SmackDown and Raw week after week after week, especially when it comes to takeover builds. We forget that these guys are still developing and that they're still finally crafting their tools, but something's got to tweak on the Kona Reeves end of things. I'm not even going to get into specifics of this match. It was obviously very Million Dollar Dream-inspired-cited-commentary, And I could definitely see that. The loud, obnoxious, I'm the finest. That was kind of gearing towards Vince McMahon, I guess. But the raspiness and over-the-top attitude of Million Dollar Man about how he wants these finest jewels and clothing and top 1% amenities. It's really... I'm going to beat this EC3 comparison thing to the grounds, but it really is true, there's no way of talking about Kona Reeves without bringing up the past rich gimmicks of all of professional wrestling, not just the Rudes, not just EC3, not just the spotlight demanding Velvetine Dream, but all of the greats, you think of JBL as well, who was a great chicken shit heel as champion, able to turn things around, so there is hope for Kona Reeves, I'll beat this until I see something different, but Kona Reeves' match, it was it was fine. It wasn't anything spectacular. Raul Mendoza went out there. He made his opponent look good. Mendoza needs a breakthrough victory on NXT television. Don't know if he's going to get it, but I think the guy definitely deserves to be shipped up to 205 Live and get some spotlight shown on him on the Cruiserweight brand. But another victory for Kona Reeves, a very lackluster performance by what one should be considering the finest of NXT. I'm not going to go on and on anymore about that. What else we got? Uh, Kathy Kelly, Ricochet, and Dream. I mentioned the handicap match next week. uh, Somebody, some division that we have not gotten to speak about this evening is the NXT Tag Team Division. We saw the two Charismatic, steak-eating, weights-lifting, heavy machinery, Otis Dozovic and Tucker Knight taking a stroll through the performance center, and they would lock horns verbally with the Australian duo of TM61. TM61 proving against the Street Prophet that the Mighty will not longer be kneeling. TM61 with a disappointing round one knockout against their... Dusty Rhodes' classic rivals, the authors of Pain, now belonging to the Raw roster locker room. TM61 able to get a sneaky victory using the ropes over the Street Profits. Heavy Machinery calling them out on the on their actions of the past. Bottom line of this segment is two of my favorite charismatic NXT tag teams possibly meeting in a match next week. Of course, the challenge is out there. I'm waiting... For next week for it to be official up for discussion but i could see the tm61 heel turn and change of attitude doing them a bit of luck you notice the pattern of tm61 who are tm61 segments and then a heel turn we also had a similar parallel path with Roderick Strong. The Who is Roderick Strong segments airing on NXT television, and of course, Roderick Strong now belonging to the NXT Tag Team Champion faction, the Undisputed Era, led by North American champion Adam Cole. So, Roderick Strong got some gold. Will the results yield similar for the new attitudes of TM61? First, they're going to have to go through a 600 pound barricade who's hungry for a victory after the war they had with the War Raiders Hanson and Rowe in another hard-hitting match of NXT tag team action. So TM61 versus Heavy Machinery scheduled for next week, the handicap match, Lars versus Ricochet and Velveteen Dream is scheduled for next week, looking to be another stacked show of NXT action. But speaking of stacked and smash mouth action, I cannot wait to discuss this main event. The six man spectacle, I know I saved that word for takeover discussions, but what a match it was. One two punch, as I have deemed them. Danny Birch, newly signed contract to NXT and all, teaming with Oni Larkin and the UK champion, the Bruiserweight Pete Dunne taking on the Undisputed Era's Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly, and North American Champion Adam Cole. Speaking of Undisputed Era and Roderick Strong's recent turn of events coming off that TM61 segment, Roddy... With absolutely nothing to do with Pete Dunne to start off this match. Roderick Strong wanting to put a yardstick between him and the Bruiserweight to kick this one off. So Danny Burch and Kyle O'Reilly getting a chance to really stand out in this match. I thought it was a great performance for both of these guys. Able to display the ground game and gritty wrestling strikes that we have wrestling strikes. Is that really... That's kind of a... Kind of a contradiction and kind of a paradox there. Strong strikes coming from Birch and O'Reilly. That axe kick is one of my personal favorites. And Kyle O'Reilly getting a chance to stand out in this match. Probably my favorite member of Undisputed Era before the addition of one Roderick Strong. But let's jump into the important part of the match. A absolutely relentless assault by Pete Dunne once he got his hands On Roderick Strong. And it would all lead to a triple finger snap. A 1-2-3. Take away the ability to punch. I guess. If you want to phrase it that way. Which I just did. But Pete Dunne making a absolute victim of the fingers of Roderick Strong. But unfortunately would be made victim of the Undisputed Era's tag team work. These guys are a well-oiled machine. They are not NXT tag team champions for nothing. They're NXT tag team champions with a big help by Roderick Strong and vicious and in-sync tag team strategy. But taken away once Pete Dunne was able to make that tag, here came the bruiser from Boston. Oni Orkin with an absolute hot tag, assault, Danny Burch also kicking in during this match. You really saw the tag team chemistry between one, two punch in this match. But Oni Lorcan absolutely standing out with that hot tag. The unrelenting chops. I could watch Oni Lorcan strike somebody. For hours and hours and hours. They can make NXT 90 minutes one week. And just have a half hour's worth of Oni Lorcan striking content. And I would be absolutely perfect with that. But what do you... Let's jump away from that segment of the match. Let's go into the triple submission on display. But let's go to the shocking ending. You keep thinking. Once Undisputed Errors in a match... No matter how much of a jump other tag teams might be able to get on these guys, there's always a plan B when it comes to the Undisputed Era. And you think, there's no way that 1-2 Punch and Pete Dunn are going to get any sort of retribution against the tag team champions. Well, the wheelbarrow DDT would say otherwise. Danny Burch. Danny Burch, a newly signed NXT contract and a pinfall victory... Over a tag team champion. 1-2 Punch and Pete Dunn pin the tag team champions. Danny Burch has pinned Kyle O'Reilly. And you got a figure that throws their name in the hat. For an NXT tag team title opportunity. And we've seen some hard hitting action in Chicago. At a takeover event before. But I really can't think of any heavy striking more. Than one two punch. Taking on Roderick Strong. And Kyle O'Reilly. For those NXT tag team championships. So an unbelievably solid main event. By six of the hardest workers. On the NXT brand. And unbelievable talents. Great victory for Danny Burch, a really show of appreciation that he got the victory, able to really justify getting that full-time NXT contract. But that's about all the time we have. I'm not going to throw you to an hour. I've already given you a half hour's worth of NXT discussion. I'm trying to be a little more succinct on the road to 100, but I can't guarantee you I won't go out of control on this Hot Road to NXT TakeOver Chicago 2. It's shaping up with some great matches for next week. TM61 locks up with Heavy Machinery. And the Leviathan Lars Sullivan takes on the two young talents, Velveteen Dream and Ricochet. I'm really hoping next week's Handicap Partnership can lay some groundwork for a possible singles match at NXT TakeOver Chicago. But from here on out, I am CD Danny Mac. If this is your first listen or your most consistent listen, I'm going to apologize in advance for the lack of consistency in my podcast release. It's personal issues, it's trying to get a work schedule consistent, it's trying to get a lot of things together, it's trying to get all of my personal ducks in a row, so for future notice, be on the lookout for the show to release just in time for your Monday morning commute so I'm trying to release it like a takeover special or a pay-per-view event, so look for it between Saturday and Monday. I know you guys are used to Thursday releases, so thank you all so much for your patience. Thank you to every single podcast reaching out to me over the past number of weeks with Raw and SmackDown discussion, general NXT inquiries. Thank you to every single follower for bumping me up over that 900 mark. It's been an unbelievable road for the show so far. Thank you if you sat through the over hour episode 50. I am CD Danny Mac, the voice that is your choice for NXT coverage. Please follow the show at podcast underscore UF is the Twitter. At undisputed future podcast all one word is the Instagram. Find me on Facebook. Find me on your favorite podcasting form I'm working right now on getting on Podbean and Spotify, but I'm on Stitcher, I'm on Google Play, and of course I'm on iTunes, and the home of the RSS feed, you could always find me up on the SoundCloud. But here's been the EST of POD, the Undisputed Future Podcast. I hope you all have an unbelievable week. Happy Rusev Day, and remember, we are NXT.